Hi there, I'm JK, Head of Creative and Production at Dadsnet. Now, before you start this podcast, I think you'd agree with me that it's never been more important to encourage good hand hygiene in babies and children. Am I right? I didn't know this, but around 80% of germs are transmitted via the hands. That's why the new Milton Antibacterial Hand Sanitizer is just a game changer. It's suitable for kids from three months up, it's 100% plant-based, it's biodegradable, and it's 99.9% effective on germs. It really is the easiest way to keep hands, both big ones and little ones, clean and fresh when soap and water just isn't within reach. If you want to check out the whole Milton range, you can now over on dadsnet.com slash Milton. But right now, enjoy this next episode of How To Be A Dad. Thanks. Hi, welcome to another episode of How To Be A Dad from the Dad's Net. I'm Al Booth, and in this episode, I'm talking to three dads about miscarriage and baby loss. So I just want to put straight out there that there might be some triggers, well, there will be some triggers in here. There are some hard things to hear, some tough conversations to be had, but as you'll hear, it's better to have them. Now, on this episode, you are going to hear from Sean. I'd rather be open and honest. It's actually nice to speak to someone about it, so I'm trying not to tear up. You'll hear from Dave. This happened on the kitchen floor. We kind of did what we needed to do and made sure she was physically all right. Women and children, I came home and cleaned up the mess so she didn't have to see it. Yeah, it was a lovely house, but bad memories, so we moved house. And you'll hear from Vikram. You sort of just like put your own feelings to the side in order to support your partner. So I just sort of shut it out without realising because I knew Serena needed me at that time. Now, it's not an easy one to do this, obviously. It's not one of the lighter-hearted episodes of How To Be A Dad. And for me, me and my partner, we went through a miscarriage. So we'd already got Alfie, and I think Alfie was about two, I think. We were trying for another baby, and yeah, miscarried. And it's really strange, because it was it was seven weeks, so we hadn't had the scan. We already head over heels in love with Alfie. He was amazing. So we were just lucky. It sounds so warped to say it. And then and now we have Alfie's little sister, Sienna. So... Um, you know, some good came after it. But, yeah. Anyway, this is not about me. This is about you, and it's about the dads I talk to. So first up is Sean. Now, in the earlier episodes of How To Be A Dad, Sean told us how he was the one who experienced pregnancy cravings. Not his partner, him. Uh, apparently, it is a thing. If you can Google it, he's not making it up. Um, now, you can have a listen to Sean on the pregnancy episode of How To Be A Dad, but here... Sean talks to us about his and his wife's experience of miscarriage. So what happened the first time was, uh, sadly, we had, a, we had a loss of our first... How do I explain it? But not sounding like I'm really being chilled and not... <laughs> no, just be honest about no. it. It is a horrendous thing, obviously. So how how was that for you? Well, I've never, I've never experienced it before, to be fair. So I was going to sound really bad, but I was quite laid back about it. How many weeks was it? How? Uh, I think it was around the 10 and 15 mark, as I say. I, I try not to remember it as much as well, yeah. because yeah. Uh, especially for the missus, she's, uh, she re- 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 I think it affected her more than it affected me. Um, because I think I'm just quite a laid-back child and more of a positiveness kind of person. I was sort of like, let's just move on. But then mentally, for her, it really did affect her. So when we when we had Keegan, our, our, our child that we got now, uh, she was we're forever going to the scanning, getting getting private scans, getting scans here and there, uh, just to check that you were still there. So it was just, I think that's that had a, that had a really detrimental effect on her. But for me, I think someone's got to be the person who sort of keeps the positiveness going you're the person really take it on you're the parent as well though aren't you yeah 
I didn't know how to sort of express it or do anything called tell tell anyone. I had one of my mates from me the other day saying, "Oh, you know, we could have had twins, but sadly one of them didn't make it. But we, the one's still strong." So I was like, "Mate, come come and talk to me. I didn't have no one to talk to." So well done for opening up. So it's quite nice. So was that the first much- time you talked about it? Yeah, I've never spoke to anyone about it. Plus, us men, we're not really sort of emotional, aren't we? So we sort yeah, of yeah, but I think we should be. It's huge, but. I- uh, people go through it and it's horrendous. Yeah. You know? And and I think as far as, as you were, obviously that was a lot further than we were. But yeah, it's kind of the same as you. It was like, you don't just bring it up in conversation. Yeah, you, don't, you just That's don't know how weird. to sort of express it. But then there's not an avenue or a platform for us to go, actually, you, know, you can go speak to this person. This person has seen it from this point of view. There's not many really platforms out there. So for it really affected her, I think it still does to this day. I think she does. She still remembers it like... Uh, for the pregnancy last week, like a candle every year, we still sort of reminisce over it. It's just sometimes I think, oh, it, you know, it could have happened, but you know, I think she's got a miracle thing on. Uh, Dean, Dean Keegan's like a miracle baby. It sounds a bit cringy, but it's no, not at all. No, but that, with that with, literally for, for the birth of that, we was literally, as I said earlier, we're going through scans uh, every couple of weeks and. It's just like, oh, is, is he all right? Is he okay? And all, always on edge, and I was always on edge during the pregnancy. Did you have the scan with the first <clears throat> child? Yes, I did go for the scan because they checked the heartbeat because we went down to Good Hope Hospital and she was, and the person there was like, we can't find a heartbeat. And I think because I've never been in that room and I was like, it's just, I think at the time, I think obviously everything's new to you. You've just, you, yeah. you miss it. like a, a bun in the oven. She's, she's, she's birthing, she's nurturing, she's doing all that stff and at the time, you just all this information is piled at you. And then when it doesn't go the way you want it to go, you think, crap, what are we going to do? So I just kept myself being really busy. But I really should have attended to her and said, what do you need? What do you do? You're looking at hindsight. But I'm just trying to remember it now. It's been, it's been so long. Sorry, mate. I didn't uh, mean to bring you back. No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Seriously, I'm, I'd, I'd rather be open and honest. It's actually nice to speak to someone about it. So, uh, yeah, I literally went up, went up to the, uh, the scanning and it's like, yeah, we can't find a heartbeat. It's like, great. And then the whole process, do you want to do it naturally and all that stuff? And then she chose which way she wanted to do it. Wow. Because <laughs> luckily with technology, you can also tell. Because when you do the, you know, you do the heartbeat, you know, the scan on the belly, you can obviously see the heartbeat, and you can hear it. And, yeah. yeah, it was really, really like, we can't find a heartbeat. And then it was like, do you want us to get it out or get the little one out? Or do you want us to, or do you want to do it, you let your body do it naturally and deal with it naturally? So it was... Like a little, I think we buried Nick in the garden. I think it's either the front or the back, or at somewhere where there's other family members. That we've got a little. It sounds it's going to sound really grim now. So prepare no, yourself. No. <laughs> um, we've got like a little box, you know, with all the the stuff that's came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, sort of a memory there. So we just we've got that and planted that at, at the part where oh, the wow. family members are. So yeah, it's quite. <laughs> I can't, I'm trying not to tear up. This is, I, I haven't been back there since Nat has. She's she's been there, but right. look at that. Because, but I've never sort of been back and look at the moment. I think one year we did go back and look. Mm. Uh, it was quite nice and just sort of reminisce. But I've never really thought of actually sort of going back and having that moment myself. It just it was, it was sort sort of doing it more as a couple. But then moving forward, we've got a little. Like, we're grateful for this little one, and you know. it's you just got to be grateful for every moment as everybody is at this time at the really. Hi, it's How To Be A Dad. Thanks for listening. If you've been affected by anything Sean had to say or any of the conversations that come up, um, you can head to thedadsnet.com to find a community there, uh, to find other people to talk to or just to find help.
Um, also, I'm going to be talking to Vikram on the show, who works for Tommy's. He's got some great advice as well if this affects you. Now you're going to hear from Dave. You can hear his dulcet hull tones in the Labour app where he describes why wheelie bins don't necessarily help, well, don't help at all when rushing to the hospital. He's got a very unique story to tell about that in an earlier episode of How to Be a Dad. Now, though, here is Dave. He's now a dad of three, but he's talking quite graphically about his experience of miscarriage. Um, You might just be able to make out the sound of his son Ruben in the background, just slightly making a bit of a noise there. Ella's kind of a a rainbow baby, if you like. We unfortunately had a miscarriage not long before her. We were trying for her. It was like, yeah, if it happens, it happens. Three months down the line, we had had Ella. We was pregnant with Ella. We took that very easy compared to the one that we unfortunately lost. So every little problem that was arriving with the wife, was just like, yeah, hospital, yeah, hospital. <laughs> so we spent more time in women and children than we did at home, I think. How far into the, the first pregnancy was she? 13 weeks. Right, okay. Because we, yeah, we, uh, we also had a miscarriage, but seven weeks, so really, like really early. It's, it still doesn't make it right, though, does it? It's still harrowing. Because this this happened on the kitchen floor. So it was like, uh, we kind of did what we needed to do and made sure she was physically all right. Her women and children's, I came home, cleaned up the mess so she didn't right. have to see it. And then uh, we moved house. Wow. Yeah, it was a lovely house, but bad memories, so moved. Oh, okay. Um, I was, I think I was at work at the time and Mason, it was about, I'd say, four or five at the time. And he kept kept saying, there's somebody at the door, there's somebody at the door, get up, nobody at the door, get up, nobody at the door. And then, yeah, it was, it was really weird. It's like a premonition that he had literally hours before. Wow. I don't know if he saw something or someone and kind of, I'd like to think that there's a, there's something up there and, and he's come to kind of carry him away. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Well, not good, but reassuring, if you like. It makes you swear a bit, don't it? It's like, damn. <laughs> exactly. We were very much more cautious with, with, with Ella than we was Oliver, because that's the, what, the name we chose for the one that we lost. Every itch and twinge was kind of, let's see how it goes, take it easy, put your feet up, still feel crap, let's get to the hospital, make sure everything's all right. We had regular scans, regular checkups and things, because obviously anxiety's way up here somewhere. And she came, she was absolutely fine. Nothing physically, mentally wrong with her, apart from her attitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Did you hear Ruben just whispering away in the background? I love that. That's what I love about doing a dad podcast or a parent podcast is that there's none of this. Can you go into the studio? Can we make it very quiet? Can we be professional? No, it's about parenting. And if there are kids causing havoc, that's real life, isn't it? Just want to say again, if you are affected by any of the conversations we're having on this episode of How to Be a Dad, please go to thedadsnet.com to find out where you can get help. And there is definitely help to be had in this next conversation. It's with Vic Singh Khalsa. He's from Derby. Um, it contains some trigger moments, some graphic moments. It's, it's hard to listen to, but I think it hopefully it will help you. Vic talks about his work with Tommy's and where you can find help for you and your partner, if that's relevant to your relationship. So here's Vic talking about his experience of miscarriage with his wife. As soon as we got told um, we'd lost the child, I sort of went from not even a grievance mode, but I sort of just like switched my moods. So it was immediately I need to support Serena. I need to be there for her now because things aren't going to get any easier. And you sort of just like put your own feelings and your own sort of 
grievances to the side in order to support youth partner. So for me, it was more of a case of I just sort of shut it out without realising, um, just because I knew Serena needed me at that time. Never really gave me any time to grieve because uh, you sort of just switch modes, don't you? Like, oh, I need to be there for my partner. I need to help them. I need to support them. That, that's the first thing that goes through your mind is to be there for them rather than the fact that you've actually both lost your child. You sort of just like, what can I do next? Um, just to help the partner because you know what's about to come is going to be quite grueling and quite traumatic. Um, so yeah, it was a. I sort of just ran into defense mode. I think really. Yeah. Are you okay just talking about the sort of the process? I mean, had you been trying for a child for long? I think just before the first lockdown. Um, so we started trying. So it'd been a few months, and I think we fell finally fell pregnant in November. We so obviously we started planning ahead uh, as you as you do getting all these like baby clothes. Like me being a Derby County fan, I bought the wardrobe already, so I was planning way in advance. <laughs> um, yeah, my wife had um, the five week heartbeat scan. Obviously, with COVID going on, I wasn't allowed to be there, so she went on her own and she saw the heartbeat. So I was like, it was all positive things, and obviously, I would have loved to have been there. But and then we decided to book a early pregnancy scan. We booked a, a, a 10 or 11 week scan, I think it was. So we thought, oh, we'll go and see early, just make sure everything's fine. Uh, and it was really bizarre because I remember a week before that scan, uh, my wife turned around and said to me, it was really weird. She goes, I don't feel pregnant. And obviously, I didn't think much of it at the time. I just thought, oh, you, you're probably just hormonal. Things are just going up and down. You know what I mean? You're going through the motions. Um, don't, there's no, probably nothing to worry about. And it wasn't until we actually got to the place. Obviously, on the day, I was full of joy. Uh, this was going to be my first sort of interaction with with the child. So I was excited. I had new clothes ready. I just put the full works out. And, you know, you just get that sort of joy. Of, oh, this is going to be the first time I'm going to not not feel, not feel, but like, not, well, I am a dad, but this would have been the first like confirmation of it. Yeah. Yeah. Until that moment, you know, it's what, what do you trust? You know, until then. Exactly. You're just going by literally, we had this little app on our phone that, um, we used to keep track of what the baby would look like and things like that. But on the day itself, it was like, okay, we got into the room, we'd filled out the paperwork. I was just, I was just gleaming. Like, this is probably the best thing that had happened to me. Uh, little did I know, 10 minutes later when the scan was going through, um, they tried the normal way first and nothing come up. And for me, I started to get a bit concerned then because I thought if nothing's coming up here, uh, my wife tried to reassure me that it's it's a normal procedure. If they can't find it with the um, ultrasound, then they tend to do it the other way. So they tried the other way and the longer they kept going on, the more I just, it's it sort of just, I, I, I just knew. Um, something was wrong and then obviously they uttered the words I'm sorry uh, there's no heartbeat um, and those sort of words resonate with you for a long time because I remember my reaction was I was quite still I just like you know when you turn to stone I went like that and then when I turned to my wife and I sort of burst into tears it was like it was a bit surreal because it, you go from such a high to such a low within a short space of time Um and I always call it from that point on the sort of prolonged nightmare because for one, they were talking to us about missed miscarriages, which I'd never heard of before. And then they were telling us about the new the procedures next and they'd be going through the burial process and things like that. And that's the sort of thing you don't really want to think about when you've just been told that. 
was was this while you were in the scan room? Uh, they, they mentioned it. They said this is what sort of these are your next steps, sort of thing. So you're like you're going to be like obviously get rid of all the tissue inside, and obviously if the fetus is still in there, they have to the the name there was like a surgical procedure and a uh, one where you take a tablet as well. Uh, and then they obviously mentioned that afterwards they do burials and cremations, which I didn't know was a thing. You're sort of trying to gather your thoughts at once because you've been chucked with information, but the most heartbreaking thing is sort of occurred. And when I looked at my wife, it was I felt really helpless because I thought, okay, I, I understand what's going on here, but the seeing the devastation in her face sort of just broke me. And I was like... You don't know how to feel, do you really? And then again, it's just like you just switch into defense mode. So you're like, oh, what can I do to help you rather than what can I do to help myself? That's a lot to take in, isn't it? I mean, just 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 knowing that the baby wasn't there was a lot to sort of grasp. When they're chucking all this information at you, you're like, it's probably the last thing you want to hear at that point. Um, I mean, to be fair to them, they were quite supportive. They were like, take as long as you need in the room. I would think they give us about five or ten minutes in there just to sort of gather out just to sort of compose ourselves really because we were the first ones in that morning so there was a whole list there was a whole load of couples waiting in the waiting room to obviously see their scans and then it's weird because when we left the room you looked at all the happy faces out there but I mean you just realized you don't wish that upon anyone and you sort of just hope that everybody else after you has a fine and healthy baby and the scans go perfect because it's it's not something you'd want anybody else to go through. Uh, it's hard enough for you to go through it yourself um, as a couple and as an individual. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quite surreal. Then we'd come home. Um, my mum was waiting at the door because she was quite happy. She'd have been a grandmother because um, I'm the oldest in my generation. So, And then we told her the news. And I think my mum really helped uh, Serena through the whole process because my mum had been through miscarriage. So... Serena got a lot of her support from my mother because they could connect with each other on that way. I mean, for me, myself, I mean, even to this day, there are days where I just sort of lock myself in my room and maybe have a little cry to myself. And But sometimes you think, what if? I, mean, I guess my religious side kind of helped me, well, kind of pulled me through it a little bit. But like I said, there's still times where I have to sit there and reflect and think about what could have happened and what could have been the thing you can never help how you feel can you so if you find yourself having those thoughts it's i guess it's it's nature have you gone through any counseling or anything um no we haven't been through any counseling as such um for my wife we did look into it because obviously she, it, it, she suffered from a lot more traumatic mental health issues after that for a while until she sort of gathered her feet but then this is where Tommy stepped in. So like when we approached Tommy's, Tommy's were fantastic and have been throughout. Um, and she sort of channeled her energy into that. So rather than keeping the story negative of we've just lost that child, we sort of turned into a positive where we can maybe build a legacy for the child that was unborn. And we call it baby dinosaur because, and I'll, I'll talk about it now. So the reason why I call it baby dinosaur is because on that uh, app that we had to track it, um, my wife showed me what it would have looked like at, I think it was nine weeks. And uh, it, I said, oh, it looks like a little dinosaur. Oh, it looked like a little dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I understand that. So that name sort of stuck with us. And I'd sort of called that all the way through. And even to now, I still refer to the child as a, a baby dinosaur, or as, or as we like to call it, the star in the sky. Um, and yeah, that, that that was where the baby dinosaur story sort of come from. 
Um, but going forward, Tommy's really did help quite a lot uh, in terms of just, especially with my wife, was trying to channel her sort of negative thoughts and turn it into a positive sort of story. Um, and now we've now we've really connected well with them to the point where we're doing more things for them, um, back and forth constantly talking about different campaigns. My wife just did the recent uh, Mother's Day campaign that was in, that was done with Tommy's, which was talking about mothers who have been through miscarriage uh, and they are not alone and they're not forgotten either. Just because they don't have a physical child doesn't mean they weren't a mother. Um, I'm talking to them at the moment about a father's campaign as well. So, and we all, the way it initially started was we actually did a Facebook video, uh, just me and my wife, which we published on our, on our own socials, just talking about uh, our story of miscarriage um, and just letting people know that it's okay to talk. We mainly tried to target sort of the Asian community just because from previous experiences, we don't talk about it enough. It's become a taboo subject where people are sort of ashamed of it, ashamed of having a miscarriage. So what we wanted to do was try and normalize the, co the conversation. So we did that video and we've spoken to various couples who've reached out to us and just sort of got like a group uh, so where we can sort of talk to each other and stuff like that. So we've made sort of online friends and even certain family members in my own family that I never knew had miscarriages um, talk to us about it. So that was the whole purpose of the video was to get people talking um, about their own experiences and really just put it out there that it's okay to talk about it. It's okay. To, let's normalize the conversation of miscarriage because miscarriage doesn't have a religion, doesn't have a caste creed identity. It happens to everybody. And it's no one's fault either. I know from my own experience, it's just, it's just one of those things, isn't it? it? That sounds really callous, but there's nothing that anyone can do that, you know, would have caused it it's just so there's no shame around it, it can't be shame around it it'd be nice for dads to, to like you and myself uh to talk about our experiences how we felt because nobody other than us would understand that yeah absolutely you sort of, you sort of commend women just for the physical and mental sort of strength that they have to go through the miscarriage i mean for us it's it's a lot of it is mental but for them it's they carry that baby they physically have to let go of it too. You can't even begin to imagine what it, the physical feeling, can you? What the pain is like and, and all that. So, so, yeah, you are just... I mean, I can't commend them enough, to be honest with you. I mean, when I look at my wife, I look at my mum, and I look at all the other women out there, uh, the ones that I've spoken to, the ones I haven't spoken to, the strength and the courage that they have to really go through what they go through and sort of become survivors and tell their tales. You can't... I mean, there's no other words to to describe it. Is there really? I mean, the, yeah, I just commend them for what they have to go through. I mean, it's hard enough for us mentally, but for them, it's it's twice as bad, isn't it? But I guess as couples, you suffer together, don't you? And I think that that's another thing that um, speaking to a few couples, uh, togetherness is key. Um, if you're both not on the same page. It can be a difficult road. Uh, it was only two days ago I was speaking to my auntie who her, her sister-in-law went through a miscarriage uh, and her husband sort of alienated her, um, not by purpose, but it just sort of, it was his way of grieving. So you can imagine how difficult that must have been, just her on her own and him on his own. But obviously the, your strength lies within your partner, doesn't it? So if your partner's strong, then you'll be strong too. Um, and I think togetherness is, is key, especially coming out of the back end of your whole miscarriage experience. This is why we want people to talk about it, because 
a problem shared is a problem halved. So, I mean, it's always good to discuss with like-minded people who understand how you feel. I mean, it, it's, it's sorry, it's difficult, isn't it? Because like even having gone through it, if someone said to me, you know, t- tomorrow, a close friend or something, said to me, I don't think I'd know what to say. You don't, do you? You just, you go, oh, you know, anything I can do and I feel for you and you have my love, but... I could talk to my friends. I told them when when I found out about it, I told them and obviously they gave me the support and the love and the prayers, but it was more of a case of, I'm so sorry to hear that. We're here for you sort of thing. And the, the, the generic things that you do get, and don't get me wrong, I appreciate it, but maybe it probably wasn't what probably needed at that time. So if, so if there's a dad listening to the podcast and he's gone through it, and maybe hasn't spoken to anyone else, as you know, seems to be finding out. It seems to be the way, whether that's intentional or otherwise, or because you're focusing on your partner more. What would you say? Just talk, honestly. Um, even if it's, even if you might know somebody that's been through the same thing uh, from a father's perspective, um, just talk to them about it because they might have some words of wisdom that you might not know. Um, there are. Th- charities actually growing at the minute so i'm actually following a page on instagram called miscarriage for men uh, who have just recently started so the the platforms are starting to build so you can always reach out to people who've either shared their stories or people like tommy's for example just because they understand the pain they they understand what you're going through mentally I mean, your partner might be going, if you want to talk to your partner about it, sometimes, and this is probably the mistake I made, was I never really told my partner how I felt. And she she immediately thought that I didn't care when it was the complete opposite. It was me just trying to be there for her rather than talk about how I felt. Um, so some maybe something as simple as just talking to your partner and sharing your experiences together could could help as well but if not if you want just a a father to father sort of perspective reach out to survivors that are out there such as ourselves or there are charities that are there willing to help you so tommy's a perfect miscarriage for men and there's a few more i'm starting to interact with now so social media as bad as it can be also has its good parts as well you can always reach out to people that are there and groups that are there because at the end of the day that's what they're there for it's there for support so just talk about it, please. That was Vic. Thanks again so much for joining me on How To Be A Dad, the podcast. Whether you've listened to the first six episodes that tell the story of the moment you find out you're going to be a dad all the way through to the, the labour, the birth and the year after, or for these latest episodes, I really appreciate you being here and just taking the time to listen. Um, I know it's hard listening, especially this episode, but hopefully it's helped you to connect or just realise that you're not alone and help is out there and you can always talk to us at the dadsnet.com. There's an amazing community out there. Um, you can find us at the website or on our socials and you'll see that you're not alone. So until the next episode, please look after yourself, look after your loved ones, enjoy family life. And you know what? Why not just have a bit of cheese, play on your phone and lock yourself in the toilet for five minutes of you time. I think you've earned it. A Dad's Net original podcast.